Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today is special Boxing Day edition to talk about the 11th round of the Cyclocross World Cup taking place in Gavre. With me here to do that is Isam. Merry Christmas, Isam. Yes, Merry Christmas uh, also to the listeners and uh, thank you for having me. Christmas didn't come uh, early this year, it came exactly on time with a fantastic race in Gavre. An amazing battle between the so-called Big Three and these Big Three riders, Pitcock, Van der Poel, Van Aert will also be racing in Benidorm later this year. You can buy your tickets for Benidorm with the code CXSocial and you can get a 20% discount on your tickets for Benidorm. Hopefully an as entertaining battle there as we had today in Gavre. The course was muddy, it was hard and the fans came out in big numbers. Don van der Bos had the fastest start, but Van der Poel was eager to show something after his second place in Mol. He took over the lead and started putting the pace up super high. He paced hard, Pitcock managed to stay with him and Van Aert was distanced a bit. He was 10 seconds down. At the end of the first lap, Van der Poel had a puncture. He was luckily not too far from the pit zone and was able to change his bike and fit in with Van Aert. Pitcock was in the lead and Van der Poel thought this was dangerous and he immediately started pacing hard. For two laps Pitcock had a decent lead but eventually he got caught again. The main difference here was that on the longest climb of the course Pitcock was riding whilst Van der Poel and Van Aert were running. Van der Poel and Van Aert were faster running than Pitcock was able to ride that climb. From there on we had an interesting battle between these three riders. We went back and forth for the best part of two laps. But in the fifth lap, Pitcock had first closed the gap to Van der Poel and then he cracked. Van Aert was unable to react to another attack of Van der Poel as well and Van der Poel stretched a gap of 10 seconds. Going into the final lap, the gap was 14 seconds. Van Aert tried to come back, came as close to 10 seconds but then eventually cracked. Van der Poel was able to take his third World Cup win of the season ahead of Van Aert and Pitcock who ended third. Quite an entertaining race, Isam. What was your main takeaway from this race? The way Van der Poel was riding today. You know, from the start, determined guy, a guy that really wanted to set a note in this race. Even with the puncture, didn't really panic. There was some running today and he, he definitely wasn't the best runner. But he made sure that he wasn't losing that much time on, on, on his competitors. And during the whole race, there was not a single moment Van der Poel was in a lot of trouble. And, you know, we have seen Pitcock, uh, especially at the end of the race, Pitcock had some difficulties in the race, was, you know, feeling a bit tired, I guess. Van Aert had his moments as well where, you you know, where I was thinking that his race was, was over for the fight for victory and then came back uh, and fought his way to, to second. I think that Van der Poel, over the course of the whole race, you know, there was never really a moment where he was in a lot of trouble. There was a moment where Van Aert took over to chase uh, Pitcock and he was also the one that, you know, took the lead in, in, in that um, chase of Pitcock in lap three. But Van der Poel was always behind him, never let the gap uh, become too much and, you know, was in control of the race. And that was truly, um, you know, incredible to see. Yeah, Van der Poel was riding with fire, with passion already in the first lap like he still needed to start on row three but he came storming to the front he had something to prove as you say after Mol. i think he took that a bit personal and thought well i'm not going to let the belgian media get too far ahead of themselves in writing that this is van art time i'm going to show them this should be a van art course based on the running but 
Still, I don't think we can really draw conclusions upon the form. Van der Poel was super eager to show something today, but I'm still a bit in the dark what is the form level. They seem pretty evenly matched, but on the other hand, I would say this course favors Van Aert. The running here, well, it was a lot different than in Mol, but there was still quite some running. A lot of power sections, Van Aert normally does well on the power courses. I would have thought that it would have been the favorite here, especially after Mol. But on the other hand, the racing didn't disappoint. I've been hyping this race for the best part of one and a half months, especially to see what Pitcock could do here. I think I even said it in the Christmas period preview, possibly a race of the season. I think so far it was the race of the season. Belgian crowds turned out in massive numbers. The road we saw in front of the entrance, it was insane. And yeah, I think it's definitely up there with best races of the season. Might depend a bit on personal preference, but for me it was the race of the season. Still a bit unclear on the form, but Van der Poel looked super eager today. Where we could still say after Mol that he maybe let his head down a bit too quickly. None of that today. He wanted to prove something and he certainly did. Yeah, indeed. This was not the Van der Poel from Mol, but I think Van Aert today, there were definitely signs that he was not 100%. And I don't know why, you know, he, he had some difficulties at the start where he had to change his bike, was a bit behind, but he came through that quite uh, quite quickly. So there were no issues there, but Van Aert today was not, in my opinion, was not 100%. And I don't know what it is. Uh, he had some difficulties to get through the race, his facial expression was was not always one hundred percent. We we don't know where they where the two stand, but what we do know is you know that the next couple of races are going to be very interesting. And I think that you know today Pitcock, despite the fact that he was third and behind these two, rode also a very good race. Did everything he could uh, on the course that definitely suits him as well. But in the end, you know, just just didn't have enough to fight the two in front. I agree with you on Van Aert. I never had the feeling that he was really in a position to win the race. Like, he was consistently there, but the fact that most of the time he was hanging behind a couple of meters, a couple of seconds, indicates to me that he either doesn't necessarily have the best form or necessarily had the best day. I would lean towards the second part. Form of the day is very important and it influences every race. We don't know why Van Aert wasn't feeling good, if that even was the case. I mean, people changed their opinion very quickly. After Mol, many people might have thought Van Aert had the upper hand. Now it turns around, Van der Poel might have the upper hand. But I think the truth is we just don't know where they stand. Maybe they are super evenly matched and Mol was an incident uh, for Van der Poel that he didn't have his day and Gaaf was an incident that Van Aert didn't have his day. Or maybe Van der Poel is a bit better, maybe Van Aert is a bit better. We just don't know and I don't have the confidence to say at this moment, well, Van der Poel or Van Aert is better. I will just need to observe the racing the upcoming two days to see how and what, where do they stand, what is the trend, because for now it's still two isolated races. But I do agree that Van Aert didn't make the strongest impression today. Yeah, I, you know, I have to say that after Mol, I was um, not so optimistic about the form of Van der Poel, I have to be honest. I'm not going to be here on the bandwagon of Van der Poel now and say that I expected him to bounce back from it. I think that... Uh, that was also the idea from the majority. It's a surprise in a way, but also not. It's the champion uh, as as a rider, is a great rider, and is a rider that you know that is capable of these kind of bounce, you know, bouncing back on the course. 
like you said, that is more suited to to fan art in in a way. But you know, the next couple of races, I think Hoeseholder is a race that's fast, but also can give us some in in depth uh, about the, the the difference between Van der Poel and Van Aert. Diegem is not really a race that you can get a lot out of it, but it will say something. It will tell a story, and then you know. Race after race, we have to see how the battle will unfold. But I think that um, the next couple of races are definitely going to be super interesting. We have to give it to Van Aert, though, for despite not looking in the best form, keeping his head down, keep trying the entire race. As I said, he was always there. He was never really in it, but he also wasn't out of it. And there was always this sense of, hmm, what is he doing? How come he's able to keep up? And they, they were never able to distance him. It's like, let's say you're climbing a mountain, for instance, the Ventoux. And you pass this amateur and you think, oh, nice, I caught somebody. And then, like, he's constantly in your wheel. And then you think, oh, now I've dropped him. And then he comes back. Basically like how Almeida rides on the road. You think you've gotten rid of him, but he's never out of it. But at the same time, you never feel he's in it. But it, all it takes is like one moment that you hesitate and he comes back and he can recover and that could be deadly. So really impressive by Van Aert to keep going. Of course, he was encouraged by many Belgians. Unfortunately, a couple of Belgians who couldn't behave, not necessarily only against Van der Poel. Also, Van Aert got thrown beer at him in the final lap because he didn't beat him. There was a guy who put up the middle finger against Van der Poel. Unfortunately, you always have these people who can't take a couple of alcoholic drinks and start doing weird things. Too many people pushing the riders, but hey, big crowds, atmosphere was there. Props to Van Aert, and we can only say the same for Pitcock because I don't think Pitcock could have done much more. Although, eventually he made a mistake in the final, or the penultimate lap it was. On the long climb, he had forgotten to shift back. It was in a too heavy gear to get away and I think that even after that, after this tricky downhill with the big cushion, the climb there he made the same mistake and it's not the first time we've seen him do that this season. Remember Overijse, a bit unfortunate but hey, we move, good race by Pitcock, five years younger and yeah, I think he did all he could. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, he proved today, I don't think that he had to prove it, but he proved today that he's part of the big three. Uh, I think today he was truly uh, going at it with these guys, you know, despite the fact, like you say, he's five years younger. It's something that, that, that we might forget in, when we talk about these three, but, you know, today from his side, I think you could make an argument about the going on that long climb on the bike and staying on the bike while the others were running maybe they did it one time too many but i think that overall the race was from his side you know he he had a good start he, he sat behind van der poel when van der poel had the puncture he got that gap he maintained it quite well they came back uh, you know and just in the end just didn't have the legs to follow them i guess and uh, came naturally in the third position and I think that's from his side you know a strong race and you know he had to uh, focus on the next couple of races and see what he can do there yeah I think that will be harder I've been saying that Havre is the best opportunity he has this season and he came close and it's something you should work on those mistakes because they are costly and Overijs it cost him the win here it probably cost him a second place Although I'm not confident enough to say that he would have for sure ended second. He did what he could and as you say it was interesting that he was riding the long climb which the others were running. 
I think there was a theory of I'm going to save my legs by doing so because it was a pretty long run and he has relatively short legs. So I think that did not necessarily cost, yes it cost him time, but it didn't necessarily cost him in terms of overall performance because the lap was so long. Even within the lap you saw fluctuations. He lost six seconds on the climb, but he was able to take six seconds later on on the course. So I think that is like... A, well, you win some and you lose some. So I don't think that was necessarily a bad decision. Maybe a lap too long, but I don't think it would have mattered for the race. I always had the feeling that Van der Poel would close that gap to Pitcock at some point. That phase of the race reminded me a lot of the race in Namur in 2020. And then that's really where the first idea of the big three started in 2020 when Pitcock won here in Gavre and then in Namur he was up there. But I think the whole concept of the big three is a bit silly. It's a bit of an unfair comparison as well. Because Pitcock is certainly a much more one-dimensional cyclocross rider than Van Aert and Pitcock. Or Van Aert and Van der Poel, sorry. Pitcock is very good on the climbing courses. But as he's a lot smaller and a lot lighter on the pure power courses, somewhat the faster courses, he will struggle compared to these two. Pitcock is also five years younger van der Poel and van Aert and of course Pitcock has done great things on the road but Pogacar for instance if he would come here it would not become a big four Pogacar raced a national race in Slovenia today and he ended second behind the guy who barely finished inside the top 30 of a C2 cross in Italy with certainly not a deep field so yes Pitcock is a very talented rider yes I absolutely believe that in a couple of years time he can become one of the best cross riders there are because if you are fighting with Van der Poel and Van Aert on a course that suits you, when you are five years younger, against these two, some of the best riders Cross has ever seen, you are definitely a very talented young man. And that's very much what he still is. So he's doing well. The comparison, I feel like, is becoming a bit overblown and a bit too heated with a lot of arguments on social media and between fans is Pitcock part of the big three or not or is it the big two or do we need to talk about a big one based on how much from the pool wins I would just say let that rest and that's why I always say the so-called big three because that's how there's often referred to them I would only speak about one big three and that's the big three in the women's race and we'll talk about them uh, a lot more later on in this podcast yeah, indeed. It's, just, it's you know, in a way, of your course, it's a silly discussion. It's a discussion that um, that you you know you cannot avoid in a way. You know, like you said, it's a comparison which is very difficult to set. Uh, all three of them have their own attributes where they're good at. I think Pitcock definitely, you know, lacks on on a couple of courses compared to Van Aert and Van der Poel. But he's also a bit younger, and you know, with the years that you know, that will come, and in a way that that will he will improve on on that aspect for sure. And you know, I think that in the end, especially for a race as today, if you really, you know, if you can look at it as a neutral viewer, I think you would enjoy the race so much because it was absolutely, you know, just great to watch these guys go at it. Uh, if you are a fan of, of one of the three, try to enjoy the others as well because, you know, it's just uh, a spectacle. It's great to watch and you will enjoy the racing much more. Yeah, for sure. And uh, don't become one of these salty... Uh fans that after a couple of beers uh, put their middle finger up or start throwing their very expensive beers at the riders then just stay at home and don't go to the cross so yeah it was a good race i certainly enjoyed it and yeah i, I will just start repeating myself if i continue too much but just chapeau to all three at the front for giving it their everything and making the race super entertaining 
Let's take a look at the entire top 10 then. Macho van der Poel with the win ahead of Van Aert and Pitcock. Dream podium for the organizers of Gavre. They also deserved that after they were shoved in February last year and had a, well, what was their worst edition ever. Fourth place for Michael van Toerenhout. Impressive race by him. In the first part of the race, he was able to keep up with uh, Van der Poel, Van Aert and Pitcock. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to keep that those lap times as low as in the first half of the race and he lost connection with the leaders. Ended in a bit of a no man's land on fourth place. Takes back a couple of points in the World Cup lead, but nothing too serious. Fifth place for Van der Haar ahead of World Cup leader Zweig. Seventh place for Thibaut Nice ahead of Tom van der Bos and Cameron Mason. The top 10 is rounded out by Gerben Kuipers. I would like to make a small note on Gerben Kuipers. I still think Torman should sign him, but in the Mole podcast I accidentally said that he was a last year under 23. He is in fact a first year elite. And then Isam, I think you would still like to say something about Thibaut Nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, Today as well for Nice on a course like this, Havre, tough course. Uh, he hold himself well, and I think that after the the, the training camp that he did, uh, coming back, he came back in a very very good form, and he showed it in in Mol today as well in Havre. It's not, it's um, yeah, he's in a very good place. Uh, the form is there, and he's improving. So I think that for, you know for Nice today is a is a result is a confirmation that he is in a very good form. Uh, it looked very good. Uh, he and, and Tom van der Bos, to be honest, because I think van der Bos for the majority of the race was very close by and they were battling it out. Uh, and I think van der Bos himself also had a very, um, you know, very good ride. And, you know, to be honest, that whole group there eh, with Nice and van der Bos and you had Cameron Mason in ninth, Kuipers 10th, you know, the, the talent is there and it's, it's, it's coming. And on a course like this, it's difficult to um, to keep going, but I think all of them did a very good job. But, you know, Nice uh, came on top in the end. Yeah, I don't think I really discussed this on the podcast before, but the reason that he had a bad period before he went to Spain, like around Beekseberge, like basically after the European Championships, the races didn't go all too well for him, with the exception of Overijse. The reason for that was the fact that he had an injury or well it wasn't really an injury this full story was i read it in a news plot it was that he had a back injury a couple of seasons ago i think that was the 2020 2021 season when he missed the world's team and he had a back injury and needed to do a lot of core stability training in order to prevent that from happening again and he did that it worked last year and then he, at some point this season, thought that he could better invest that core stability time by doing endurance training on the bike. And he stopped really taking that serious. And then the same injury came back again because he didn't take his core stability serious. He said that was his own fault. It was a stupid mistake. He learned from it, picked that up again, did some serious training in Spain. Also trained with Trixie Alfredo team on the road. And now he looks to be well and truly back. He's racing an insanely busy schedule from what I heard. I don't know the details, but I think he is on the start list for Dijem for sure. I'm not too sure if he's racing Zolder tomorrow. But busy period for him coming up. Started well with 7th in Moen, or 6th in Moen, now 7th in Gavre. Good start for the season for him. And yeah, I look forward to see what he can do. I think he will certainly be one of the favorites for the Under-23 World Championships. Although then again, there are many other competitors there as well. Emil Verstringen, Joran Wieseuren, there are many names. Michels, 
maybe hoverdings, although at the moment I would lean towards nice, but we need to be very careful with that because things can fluctuate quickly. Then, final note, on the men's race, I would like to say that Cameron Mason also put in a very good ride. He got his, well, best result in a World Cup. He was also ninth in Overijse last year, but this World Cup ninth place is much better because the competitiveness of the field is super good. He's the second top 10 of the season in terms of World Cups. He was 10th in Dublin before. Props to him. Then on to the women's race. Mary Schreiber had the fastest start, but she was quickly overtaken by Puck Pietersen. It looked to be a bit of a deja vu to Overijs as Puck Pietersen opened a pretty big gap in the first technical downhill, but the course involved a lot of running, and when you say running, you do say Shirin van Anrooy. Van Anrooy caught up to Puck Pietersen, and we were looking in towards a duel for between two. Van van Empel, she didn't start the race, she was still injured, so we looked at a battle between two other youngsters, Pietersen and Van Anrooy. However, Pietersen had a mechanical, her back wheel was completely jammed, it was blocked by mud and a lot of leaves, she needed to run for quite a while and found herself 45 seconds back. Van Anrooy looked to be leading comfortably, but that was without looking at her teammate, Lucinda Brandt. Brandt, who of course had an injury earlier this season, came back from a bad first lap and caught up 20 seconds per lap until in the third out of just four laps she caught up to her teammate Shirin van Anrooy. For a quarter of a lap they were racing together side by side, even getting their shoulders together at some point, but van Anrooy stayed relatively cool. She was able to get her lap times down again as Brandt started making mistakes as she clearly paid the price for the effort she had to place to close that gap again. Van Anrooy stretched the gap in the final lap and was able to win her second World Cup of the season ahead of Lucinda Brandt. In the background, there was an interesting battle for third place. Blanca Vars was looking in pole position for that third place for a long while, but in the final lap, she exploded. On the long climb, she needed to get off her bike at some point, and there is just the one thing that doesn't go well for Blanca Vars, and that is running. She was passed by Bakstedt but also passed by Pietersen. Pietersen, who came back from that mechanical, also back from a fifth place, managed to overtake both Vars and Bakstedt in the final lap to claim the third spot on the podium. Van Androoy with a win ahead of Brandt and Pietersen. What's your thought on the win of Van Androoy, Isam? Was it really a case of her being the strongest, maybe a bit too enthusiastic in the first part of the race, or... Did Brandt really lose the race by having a bad first lap and then eventually paying the price in terms of effort needing to be put in to come back? I think that, that Van Androoy definitely wanted to to break Petersen in, in, at the first lap and really wanted to make a gap uh, and maybe was a bit too enthusiastic in the, in the beginning of, 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 of that. Um, you know, in terms of Brandt, Brandt was... You know, didn't have the greatest of first laps and then slowly but surely came to the front. I think was very patient. Uh, but then the moment she actually saw that she could get to the front, I think was a bit too um, too eager to get there. And, you know, maybe a lap, lap too soon uh, the move was made. Van Anderoy definitely struggled a little bit at the end, but was still not completely on her limit. Eh? She still had something left to, to, to finish and... That is also how you need to, to race. You need to make sure that you always have something left in the tank. And Van Anrooy had just that and was able to, uh, you know, to defend to fend off uh, Brandt. And I think that in the end, 
a mature ride for Van Andro, in my opinion. I think that um, a lot of people would have cracked with Lucinda the way she came back. The gap was quite significant, and then it's it's uh, quite a mental blow if if somebody comes back from such a gap. But I think that Van Androy handled it quite well. Was took the lead again, uh, did what she what she does best in in the running and. Just overall was just going very good, and I think that in the end, uh, from her side, it was a very, very strong race. Yeah, I think Van Androy got ahead of herself at the beginning of the race. As you say, it looked like she was eager to crack Pieterse immediately. Pieterse was also distanced and eventually came back, but Van Androy was really going at it. Then really had two slow laps and laps two and three, both around 12 minutes. And then eventually got her lap time down again in the final lap. On the other hand, I think Brandt got ahead of herself in the chase. She was being cheered on by a crowd, by the team staff. She knew she was catching Van Androy. And I think she also got ahead of herself in doing so. She lost a lot of time in the first lap, 35 seconds. And then took back 15 or almost 20 seconds in the second lap. And then she kept pushing hard and she was running hard. I think she blew up there because once she had caught up to Van Androy, she took the lead. Okay, good decision. But the mistakes she started making after that looked to be more caused by tiredness than technical error. It looked to me that she was just tired and had blown up and therefore was never really able to fight with Van Androy for long. I mean, that quarter of a lap that they were together... That was entertaining and it was really nice that we had this shot of this camera with Sven Nice actually shouting something to Brandt, a technical tip. She needed to cut back the corner, wide entry, sharp turn and that Brandt was doing exactly that. That really added to the dynamic, that was nice to see but in the end, yes we saw very good Lucinda Brandt, by far the best Brandt we have seen since that hand injury. Maybe even the best Brandt of the season, although she did look very good in the opening of the season. Waterloo, Fayetteville. But, hmm, it was definitely good. The signs are there. And I think what we need to conclude from this is that Boas Trek, their female riders, Van Androy and Brandt, who went on a training camp with the Trek women's team, that they really came back in an improved form from team camp because... This is not something we saw Van Androy or Brandt do before they went on the training camp. I think that that training camp of Baloise is something that um, some riders need to to visit because it's uh, it, it it clearly works and they they both uh, came back uh, stronger than they were. I think for Brandt, you know, today was a course where she definitely could use her power a little bit more but she also surprised me in a, in a way i have to say it was a very a very strong ride uh, a bit earlier than i expected uh, and that can you know i think that uh, the brand is is ready to improve more and more in the next coming races and that um, that we shouldn't be surprised if a victory is coming out of this christmas period but uh, yeah i think that, that 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 both both uh, Baloise track line uh, women were 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 very good today and you know did what they had to do the maximum was probably achieved by both and I think that Sven Nijs can definitely be very happy with uh, both riders. Yeah, he can be, and I think they, of course, deserve to end where they end. But at the same time, we need to note that Puck Peterson did have a mechanical issue, and yes, this is completely part of the sport. 
Pieterse herself said that it was even her own mistake because both she and Van Anroy didn't ride into the pit. And she learns from that every race, she said. And that's fair. Like, it's part of the sport. This was clearly an, an error she should have changed earlier. But it is important to note that in terms of form, Pieterse is on the same level as Van Anroy. Pieterse was able to keep the gap relatively constant, was certainly faster than Baxter and Vash and eventually ends 50 seconds down because in the final lap there was not much more on the line once she had secured that third spot. It's a shame for her because now she takes 25 points, that's a net gain of 25 on Van Empel, but if she had gained 40 points, the gap would have only been 25 points in the overall, so with three races left that meant that if she had won all three, she would have won the World Cup. Of course, we don't know what the current situation of Femme van Empel is. She's not racing Zolder tomorrow. That is already an indication that things aren't going amazing. Currently, she is set to ride Baal, then Coxide, and then after Coxide, she is set for Zonhoven, then Nationals, Benidorm, Besançon, Worlds. So, it's interesting to see in what form van Empel comes back. From what I've seen, there's not been all too much riding going on, and it's mainly recovery-focused. So that could be a bit of a hit, and then Peterson can of course still put it off, but now she's still looking at a deficit of 40 points, which means that she will need to have Femme van Empel end significantly lower than her a couple of times. She doesn't have it in her own hand anymore to win the World Cup. But, this, this happens, it's part of the sport, she can only blame herself I think for not taking that extra bike. Yeah, definitely, That's um, you can only blame yourself for such a decision that you take during a race and it was a vital decision in the end because it influenced um, her result I think you know I, you know, Peter said definitely in the first lap it didn't look good but like you said the lap times in the end um, tell a story that she was you know roughly equal to uh, to Van Anroy so then you have to conclude that at least second place was was definitely possible and um, yeah for, for the World Cup it's definitely uh, an interesting point because we don't know if Van Empel is going to start in Zonhoven, but probably will be, I think, um, in, in the new colors of Jumbo. So, and the, the races that are coming up with, with, with the Zonhoven, with the Besançon and Benidorm, mm, difficult. I think that those are races that suit Van Empel just a little bit more. So, um, you know, we shouldn't be taking conclusions already, but it, it definitely is going to be more difficult after today. They might suit Van Empel, but then again, if she's coming in here in poor form due to that injury, a lot can change. It would be a shame for Van Empel if she can't top off what really is her breakout or, well, not really her breakthrough season because that was last year. Really the season where she made that step to the top. If she can't crown that off with a World Cup win or a World title. But on the other hand, again, also crashes are part of the sport. Of course, we don't wish it to every anyone, but... Yeah, these things happen and we can only wait and there's no reason to speculate. We'll see in Bau or else we'll see it later in Coxider, Zonhoven. Whenever she comes back, we'll see what her current form is and we can see how she goes from there. Things for her teammate, Eli Isabit, who didn't start the men's race, look quite a bit less serious. Isabit, I think, really used that crash as a good way out of racing the World Cup here in Gavre, so he could instead focus on the Super Prestige and X2O Trophy tomorrow, racing in Zolder, day after in Dichem. I would say that Isabit probably 
used it as an excuse to find a way out of today's race, which would have been super hard for him and he can stay a bit fresher. Whereas on Empel, the fact that she's also skipping tomorrow indicates to me that for her it's really a case of recovering. Let's look at the entire top 10 then. Van Anrooy with the win ahead of Brandt and Pietersen. Then, very weird seeing this. Three non-Dutch riders on 4, 5 and 6. Backstedt ahead of Vash and Honsinger. 7th place for Worst ahead of Bakker and Van Alphen. With the 10th place going to Inger van der Heide. Let's talk a bit about Backstedt and Vash who were locked in for a battle for 3rd with Pietersen. We already mentioned that Pietersen did what she could in terms of recovery and form to quite easily still take that third place but what was up with Vash this race because things looked much better than Evaldi Sol and in Antwerp of course but that just went up and down up and down good bad good bad and then in the final lap ultimately it ended terrible when she needed to get off that bike and run up the climb because uh, whew, she lost 20 seconds there alone <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know it's it, I, we you, we established that running is definitely not something that she likes to do, um, and 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 in Havre you're forced to run uh, several times on the course, uh, and some sections are a little bit longer than others. But it it was a I would say it was a weird race in a way. She definitely, like you said, she looked actually quite good uh, for the majority of the race, and it fluctuated a little bit at a certain point. She was actually. You know, closing up and and then it, she was losing time a little bit again uh, and so, you know it 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 fluctuated a little bit but in the end the last lap i already knew that it was going to be a little bit difficult to hold both peterson and buckstead off uh, especially with the long running section that you have on the on the climb and you know she kind of swore to not get off her bike uh, and then eventually when she had to go off her bike it was uh, more walking than running you know, it's trainable. I don't think that it is, it is something that, um, that 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 riders just have. You can definitely train these these things, and it's it's a bit of a shame to see somebody lose, in my opinion, a, a, a secured third place over, yeah, something that is that is definitely something that you can improve on. Just the smallest of improvements today would have helped her to secure third place, and I think that those opportunities you're not gonna get them every time. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a weird race in in my opinion. I don't know how you look at it, but for me it was yeah. I I didn't I didn't really know what to. Uh, sometimes I was more laughing than <laughs> than anything else. Yeah, well, my theory is just that like they only did four laps because the lap times were twelve minutes. But my theory is more that they. Like, you couldn't really spot trends between laps all too much due to how long they were. But within laps, I think Vash was just losing a lot on the sections that you needed to run. But on the other hand, her eagerness to not get off the bike and keep pushing probably also helped her at some points. Because I thought, oh, pretty impressive that you were able to ride this. So there was probably some determination in her to not get off that bike. But as you say, her running is like terrible. We saw it in Antwerp already when she was like walking when the others were running at the end of lap one. And then I was like, maybe she blew up. But it's actually just the fact that she's a terrible runner. So I would say that's definitely something that needs to be worked on. Because if you want to become a complete cross rider, which I think she still wants to. At least I don't know why SD Works else would invest a lot in Lars Bohm. Okay, of course, he's also a director sportive on the road, but they pay him all winter to go to these races and be a personal coach for Vash. 
something needs to change regarding to that because her fluctuations within the lap looked to be the sections where she needed to run she lost a lot of time and then she was able to regain again on other sections whereas Backstead was doing the complete opposite she was racing like a complete cross ride she had the power she had the physique for running she looked all right on the technical sections and then again that she's just a first year under 23 a fourth place here is super good it should be no huge surprise that she performs well here earlier this year in february she almost ended on the podium here she was still almost a year younger than she is now so is it a huge surprise no it's still above expectations i would have thought that maybe honsinger and backset would have swapped places today but Still, we need to conclude that Backset is making significant progression. She also came back in good form from her training camp. Honsinger also in better form, although it looks to be a bit more difficult for Honsinger this season compared to last season. Her own theory is that the level has gone up much higher, and I do think I would agree with her because with Pietersen, with Van Androoy, with Van Empel all making big steps, Brandt not going anywhere, young riders like Backset and Vash coming through, I would argue that Honsinger maybe has improved compared to last year, but that the overall level has just become a bit higher and that for Honsinger instead of fighting for podiums on courses that suit her, it's now become fighting for top fives on courses that suit her. Kind of a similar trend that we've seen with Betsema, who unfortunately has also been experiencing difficulties with what looks to be an ever-increasing level on the women's side of the sport. Yeah, you know, it's definitely visible that the the level on the women's side is... It, it, it's getting also a little bit wider, so we have more women that can compete for top five and that's obviously yeah with the smallest of margin in sport where the smallest of margins definitely definitely count you know it's more and more difficult to to get those positions and i think that today Honsinger definitely rode quite a good race i think that the difference between her and van Androy at the front was you know there was a gap but it was quite a consistent gap and it grew consistently there was no big uh, fell off in any way shape or form so I think that overall Honsinger yeah the, the a very good race I can still say that I expected a little bit more but I think that overall from her it was definitely a, a very strong race and yeah she has to to wait for for races that that will suit her uh, as well because you know like you said Haver is, is definitely one of those races that suits her and then you have to wait for the next one and let's be clear, 6th place is definitely not bad. If you're 6th in a World Cup, it means you're one of the best riders of the world. And sure, Betsman and Alvarado weren't here, both prioritizing the other races over the World Cup, which I can understand. It's super busy, and with 10 races in 17 days, you need to make choices. So you, in fact, also don't need to have all the best riders at the start of every race. So, yeah, that's fine. For the rest, I thought in the top 10, not too many interesting names. Anik van Alfa maybe a bit below expectations after the expectations got raised after her win in Boom. But I would say that this is where she would normally end. I would say maybe outside of the top 10, I would still like to mention Madigan Munro. It's her first race on this side of the pond this season. 
12th place is a very good result for her. She's still an under 23 rider and for an American to come over and then face the jet lag and the other things to then end 12th. Very good race for the young American and we know that her priority might be at the mountain biking side of the sport. But still, she always seems to be love doing cross and for Trek it's important to have an American on one of their bikes. So things are going nicely for her. Well, Isan, then I think we have had it. I think uh, that will be it for Gavre. We'll be back tomorrow with a podcast about Zolder. Yeah, that's going to be a check and uh, up to the next one. Thank you for having me. Two down, eight to go. Thank you for being here. And as said, we will be back tomorrow discussing the super prestige in Zolder. Thanks everyone and goodbye.